in partnership with RFN Studios. This is the Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Yakima. Welcome to Yakima Vineyard Church. My name is Dusty. I am one of the pastors here. And um, I'd just like to welcome all of you. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. I won myself, and it is probably the greatest privilege of my life to be the father to Cormac Aronson. So uh, I consider it a great honor and privilege to be a daddy. It's honestly one of my favorite things in the universe is to have a family. Um, and my family in particular is amazing. So. I get to brag on them a little bit, just just a tad. Um, we're going to be continuing in the book of John this morning, but we're going to take a just a short little detour since it's Father's Day today, and dad jokes are a thing, and I've been known to sling a dad joke a time or two myself. Also, our friend um, Billy Jean, we 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 lost her this week. Um, I'm going to tell one real quick story, just because it's like, especially standing here in the church, it really just brings it to my mind. Um, Every Sunday before I was going to preach, Billie Jean would come up to me and she would say, are you preaching this morning, Dustman? And I'd be like, yeah, Billie Jean, I'm teaching this morning. She's like, okay, I have to pray for you. So she'd put her hand on me and she'd say, Father God, please bless my brother, friend, Pastor, Dustman, Lord, would you give him your words? Would you help him to tell people about Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you use him and use him to let people know how much you love them and how much you care about them? Amen. And she'd say, I love you, Dustman, and she'd give me a big hug. And uh, it's going to be really hard <laughs> that, that first Sunday when we're finally able to be back again. And, um, and I don't have my Billie Jean there to encourage me and pray for me. Um, I don't know if she knew just how important it was to me and how much you know all of us all of us serve in different ways all of us have different roles to play in God's kingdom and Billie Jean was an encourager and she she encouraged me so much Um, I'm gonna just stop there because I could keep going and then I'm gonna just be a mess and I won't get through my message. So um, just so you guys know, um, we, we will have a memorial service for Billie Jean at some point. Um, obviously we can't right now. Um, my sister Kim and I, um, who um, also a quick shout out to my sister Kimmy, um, she, has throughout this whole process of Billie Jean going to the hospital and even well before for years, Kim has 
really stepped up and she's been caring for Billie Jean and looking after her and coordinating her care, um, washing her clothes. She's going to be really pissed off at me that I'm putting her out there like this, but Kim, you're amazing and I love you and you're an amazing sister to both me and you're an amazing sister to Billie Jean and, and she's just been there through with Billie Jean through this whole process. And so I just want to give her props for that. But, um, Kimmy and I are her executors. We're, we're helping carry out her final wishes. And so at some point there will be a memorial service for Billie Jean. And she wanted lots of worship. And she wanted people to tell funny stories about her and remember her. And after this part of it where we have worship and we're together and we thank God for her life and we, and we, we remember her, Afterwards, we're going to be having a whole bunch of food and we're going to have a big dance party because Billie Jean loved to dance and she wanted a big dance party. And so we're going to have a big dance party. So just when the COVID thing has passed, when um, we're all either able to gather in large groups again, um, please know that we will be honoring Billie Jean. Um, it's just doing it right now. Um, I feel like wouldn't honor her well. Um, so we're going to hold that off um, until we're able to do that. So uh, that's just kind of a little bit of, of church business there. Um, yeah. So um, Billie Jean, if you guys ever uh, went to any of our big church events where we had like an open mic, she would always tell these corny Bible jokes. And also since it's Father's Day, dad jokes are a thing. So let's uh, do a couple Bible-based dad jokes and Billie Jean Corny jokes. Where is the first math problem mentioned in the Bible? When God told Adam and Eve to go forth and multiply. Why didn't they play cards on the deck? Or why didn't they play cards on the ark? Because Noah was standing on the deck. Ugh, right, big groan. What kind of man was Boaz before he married Ruth? He was ruthless. He was a ruthless man. See, puns, I, I'm, a, I'm a pun fan. I'm a fan of the fun. Fan of the puns. This last one's the best. Why did God make man before woman? Because you need a rough draft before you can have the final copy. Am I right, ladies? I know I'm right. You got to practice. Practice makes perfect. So that was our little prelude there. Uh, Jesus the King. We're going to jump back into the Gospel of John. John 12, 1 through 18. I'm going to start off each time we do this with Jesus talking about being the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus was the way for us to follow. It's not just enough for us to worship God. We're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. He's literally all truth. The primary one, he's the primary one, the revelation of God's character. And he's the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life, both now and forever. John 12, 1 through 7 starts like this. Six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. They'd prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Mary picked up an alabaster jar 
filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. But Judith, Judas, sorry, the blacksmith, Simon's son, the betrayer, spoke up and said, What a waste! We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given that money to the poor. In fact, Judas actually had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money case. He would steal the money whenever he wanted from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Jesus said to Judas, Leave her alone. She has saved it for the time of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Have you ever had this happen to you? And I don't mean like somebody pouring oil on your feet and anointing it. I'm not talking about Jesus, but I'm talking about being like Mary. Where friends and family are questioning, why are you giving up so much of your life and your resources to serving God? Why do you give up so much of your time and your energy and your money and, and your work? And why, like, it, this doesn't make any sense. How does this benefit you to be giving up all of this to serve God? Have you ever had that happen to you? I have. I've had it happen through most of my life. I, I first started serving in the church when I was 18 years old. That was a long time ago, by the way. Long time ago. Um, but when I was 18 years old, uh, and people are like, you're crazy. Like, don't you know there's no money in ministry? Don't you know that there's no money in being a pastor? Don't you know there's no money in, going, in working in a church? And, and I, you know, throughout my time in the church, very rarely have I actually ever been paid anything to do that. Um, when I was an intern back in my late teens and early 20s um, at Yakima Foursquare here, I, 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 we got nothing. We got like a $50 monthly stipend to buy groceries. And the rest of it was just kind of, you just made your way. Um, and people think you're crazy. Jesus told this parable. Matthew 13, 45 through 46 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought that. He sold every other pearl that he had. He got rid of everything else that he had so he could have that one precious pearl. Because that's how valuable the kingdom of God is. That's how valuable Jesus is. That's how important God's kingdom is. It's worth giving up everything. Like Mary, she took a whole year's wages. I don't know what you make in a year, but if you took that and you gave the whole thing at one time for 30 seconds, that's probably or a couple minutes maybe at the outside that she poured this on Jesus' feet and anointed him with oil. She poured out a whole year's wages within a couple minutes for her love for God. How incredible is that, you guys? How amazing is that? Is God worth it? I think he is. And I'm not talking just about money here. This, we're, 
we're minimizing it if we're only talking about finances. Money's just not that important. What we're really talking about is our life. Who do you serve? Who do you give your life to? Is Jesus worth it? Is he worth giving everything? I, th- I think he is. I think he is. He's worth the sacrifices that we make to serve our God and to serve others. Continuing on. John 12, 9 through 11 says this. When the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came out to see him. And they also wanted to see Lazarus, the man who had been raised from the dead. Right? I, I'd show up. <laughs> I mean, I'd want to see, oh, that's the guy. He was dead. No, he's not. Kind of crazy. Uh, this prompted the chief priests to seal their plans to do away with both Jesus and Lazarus. For his miracle testimony was incontrovertible. Ooh, that was a tough word. Incontrovertible. And was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. For his miracle testimony was incontrovertible and was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. In the previous message we read where Jesus was laying low because it wasn't yet his time. Yet now, when the Father tells him to go, he does so, and he brings Lazarus with him as evidence of Father God working through him, as evidence of the kingdom breaking in, as evidence of the kingdom coming to bear on our current broken world. In the vineyard, we are a people who we believe in the wondrous and miraculous power of God. We believe that at any moment, God's kingdom can break in and break through and change reality and change things, that the Holy Spirit can move and change things, sometimes change things forever. I've seen it happen in people's lives. I've seen people physically healed permanently. I've seen people being healed of mental, emotional, spiritual wounds that are so deep it hampered every aspect of their life. And the Holy Spirit shows up and he heals it. We are a people of the kingdom of God. We believe that the Holy Spirit moves in us and through us to bring his kingdom to bear on our world. This scripture says that the Jews began to follow Jesus because of the miracle, because of Lazarus, because of God's kingdom breaking in. The Jews recognized that something was happening there and that they wanted to be a part of it. May we be a people of the kingdom of God. May we be a people who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and in us to bring God's kingdom to bear on a broken world. John Wimber said this, the vineyard is God's idea. He called us as a kingdom people doing the stuff of proclamation and demonstration. To do only half of what we've been called into is not a complete gospel message. And we must do all of what God's placed upon us. See, preaching the word is good. Telling people about Jesus is amazing. Having people come to know him is incredible. And Jesus did that. Jesus showed himself. Jesus told people about him. He sent his disciples out to tell people about who he was. And yet, he didn't just stop there. He also joined with Father God to bring about the kingdom, breaking in on our current world and performing miraculous signs. For some people, that's what they need to believe. 
excuse me, for some people, seeing something like that happen, that's the gospel being acted out. They, while they might question the mental, philosophical, you know, even philosophy with spirit, the mental image of God, when they can sense and feel God and feel his power breaking in and breaking through, for some people, that's what they need. It's, it's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge and it's spirit knowledge as well. We're a complete person and, and God wants to reach all parts of us. Let's continue on. John 12, 12 through 17. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our savior. Blessed is the one who comes to us sent from Jehovah, God, the king of Israel. And we're shouting this in the street and throwing palm branches down in front of him. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it to fulfill what was prophesied. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it is your king coming to you, riding on a young donkey. Now, Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted into glory. See, they didn't understand it completely in the moment. But then after Jesus died and then rose again, like this stuff clicked. Have you guys ever been in that place where like God's revealing something to you or showing something to you or somebody says something and you don't quite get it? And then later a series of events happens and then suddenly that clicks back and it's like that puzzle piece fits where it didn't really fit before. I I know I've had that happen. Continuing on in the scripture. They understood how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies in the scriptures that were written about him. All the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of this miracle of resurrection caused the crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. Romans 6.5 also says this, For since we are permanently grafted into him, to experience a death like his. Then we are permanently grafted in him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. See, not only did Jesus resurrect from the dead himself, we get to share in that same resurrection power as brothers and sisters to him through him. What an incredible thing is that, right? That we're also a people of resurrection, that God can take our dead, sinful, broken selves. He can take that, and he can raise us from the dead, from the death of sin, from the death of corruption, and change us and make us new. What a miracle that is. Jesus is our king. All of us who are followers of Jesus are to primarily be of the kingdom of God. It should be our first allegiance not to any political party, not to any person or pastor or affiliation, not to evangelicalism or Baptist or Catholic or Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. We're primarily supposed to be people of the kingdom of God. And so if anything that any of our groups that we associate with or are affiliated with are acting contrary to God's kingdom, we have to remember our kingdom standing. We have to remember that Jesus is our king, that Jesus is our Lord, 
that we're first citizens of the kingdom of God. And so what does scripture say about this instance or about this circumstance or about this time? Where is God's justice to the oppressed? What does the Bible say about those who, um, uh, you know, the book of James, right? I don't know if you guys remember a year or so ago, we went all through the book of James. The book of James talks a lot about employers treating their workers badly. And so if you're a Christian and you're an employer and you are like just messing over your employees, you're not following, you're not being primarily first a follower of Jesus. You're not being primarily first of the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis says this, and I may quote this imperfectly, but he says something to the effect of Christianity is like the sun. It's not just that I see it, but rather by it, I see everything else. See, our faith should be like that. Everything that we see in the world around us should be filtered through the lens of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. It should be filtered through the lens. If you've ever like used your phone and like you've added filters and you see how those filters like change everything, right? Our primary filter should be the filter of the kingdom of God. How does what I'm looking at through the kingdom of God filter, how should I interact with what's over here through the kingdom of God filter? What should this, how should this filter inform me? Because Matthew 6, Jesus says this, seek first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what Jesus said we have to seek first. His righteousness, not man's righteousness, not my political party's righteousness, not my church denomination's righteousness, not my personal prejudices or feelings righteousness, but God's righteousness. And the only way to know what that might be is to go to scripture, to read our word, to pray, to let the Holy Spirit speak to us, and then act. But if we're not using our filter of our faith, you're doing it wrong. Francis Chan once said this, sometimes failure is succeeding at the wrong things. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes failure is succeeding at the wrong things. Sit with that a minute. Sometimes we may win temporary battles for the aforementioned groups that I made, our temporary victories. But if they're not in line with the kingdom of God, it's failure. Your success is failure if it's not in line with the kingdom of God. And we could go to verse after verse, right? What do you build your foundation on? Is your foundation built on solid ground? Is what you're doing and how you're acting and how you're interacting with others and how you're functioning in the world, is it based on the kingdom of God theology? Is it based on the person of Jesus? Is it based on who you are as a follower of Jesus? And that's my encouragement to you this morning. Make sure that everything you're doing is for God or is at least filtered through that filter of the kingdom of God. Bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll continue on in the Gospel of John.